Space for goal! And finishes off the PSG victory! He's launched, Nuno Mendes rapide, Nuno Mendes passes devant Trondano! The tir! Oh, he's beau, celui-là! The but de Nuno Mendes! You know the football, it is what it is. The premier but de Ronald Colombani! With the Paris Saint-Germain! Oh, quel joie! Hello and welcome to PSG Review, also known as the show. Sensing the ticking clock as we fast approach, uh, fingers crossed, the first of many knockout matches in this spring's Champions League. There's a lot of optimism in the air. Certainly the one that I breathe and much, much more about that in this episode. We will also talk later about the incredible battle between PSG and Lyon, uh, by far the toughest and highest quality domestic match in European women's football. Uh, quite a spectacle last night as I record this on Monday. My name is Nico. We have a great show for you. Make sure that your subscription is in order on your podcast platform of choice so these episodes will find you. Uh, you don't even have to find them, let alone me having to find you each and every time to tell that there's something fresh online. And why not check the show out on the socials as well? You can follow me and talk to me on Twitter at PSG Review Pod and Instagram and TikTok. It is simply at PSG Review. In this episode, we mainly check out the last match before the Champions League. I could call it a dress rehearsal, but Ligue 1 is no rehearsal and certainly not when you are playing against a team like Lille. They have a good solid defense, great goalkeeper and all around good squad with ability to score as well. But perhaps what I could say is that we had for once the luxury to even drop some points if needed. On top of the table, we were still relatively comfortable even if that would have happened you know rather than to exhaust our starters a few days before Real Sociedad. So here are today 10 positive take-home messages from this match that was incredibly exciting. Number one Luis Enrique Lucho. Now I'm aware that even in the last episode I was well not really criticizing as such, but drawing attention to some of the issues that we have had and some of the potential red flags we should not ignore. In this match, he largely reacted to all of them, obviously. <laughs> obviously not because what I said, I don't quite have such delusions of grandeur, but who cares why he did it so long as he did. So first of all, Kylian Pape was rested. Mbappe took some serious hits in Coupe de France match against Brest, which we won uh, next up his knees in that competition, but that's now beside the point. For, for safety and recovery, Mbappe was on the bench for this match, as were also Marquinhos, Donnarumma, Vitinha, Barcola, Warren, Sir Emery at least. This was really by far the most radical rotation of the squad this season by Enrique and that includes matches in Coupe de France against those lower level teams as well. Uh, this was actually really the type of thing that I had been wanting to see. I had been looking forward to this because whether Kylian Mbappe stays or goes, it was very fascinating to see how the team fares without him, especially in attack. And while I, for one, I'm not doubting his position as the best there currently is in the world of football. It was great to see our attack working more as a unit without that sort of one superstar above everyone else. That guy that everyone knows the passes go to. The one guy who is especially guarded by the opposite team. And that brings me to my second point. How nice it is to see 11 players on the pitch taking defensive responsibility. How refreshing. Uh, last season we had at most nine of them and this season we've had sort of 10. And I get that Mbappe's job is 
is not to defend on, on the contrary, but the team is so much more balanced when everyone chimes in and that makes it more difficult for the other team. It does make a huge difference. Point number three, giving Nordimukiele a chance. Like like I said, all my grievances from last episode were really answered against Lel. Now I don't necessarily expect this to be regular thing to occur throughout the rest of the season, but it was nice to see nevertheless in a in a you know proper big match. PSG was defending with Danilo, who was also wearing the captain's armband and Lucas Hernandez as centre-backs, and Nordi Mukiele on the right-hand side and Lucas Peraldo on the left. Mukiele had a really solid match. Later on, he did the same thing on the left side, which shows his versatility. Uh, Lucas Peraldo was the only question mark, really, for me. He has hardly climatized to Paris, and I don't doubt that he will be a great player for us, but things take time, and uh, my reading of him is that It almost looks like he's undermining the opponent a little bit. These Ligan wingers and forwards are slippery characters and he keeps on losing the one-on-ones against them. He doesn't really lose them because he isn't technically good enough. He's technically pretty good, I think, but because they more often than not just sort of outplay him while he's trying some sort of a samba football thing that would probably look amazing if he came out of it with the ball in his feet. The little goal early on was a good example of that. I feel like he's been thrown into the deep end a bit too much, maybe. A bit too soon. And when Nuna Mens comes back, I assume that Lucas Hernandez, who is one of the best signings of this season from the last summer, I think he will relocate to be a more regular centre-back, especially in the absence of Milan Skriniar. So it might be that Peraldo will get a little less time then, but we will see. Again, not really a criticism of him, it's just to acknowledge that it takes time to come to a new team and to a new country, to a new league, even a new continent, never mind having a new language and culture around you for the very first time in your life. So with him, we need patience and that's perfectly fine by me. But Mukiele is more ready league on player. Of course he is, he's a fine player and he played well, as did the whole defense for the most part and Kaylo Navas in goal, of course, that's also very noteworthy. A positive take-home message number four. Manuel Ugarte is back, so it certainly seems early on this season. Manuel Ugarte was the focal point of our adoration because PSG has gone for far too long without a solid six, a good defensive midfielder. The start of the season was good for him, but then he lost his form a little bit. The long and exhausting trips to international breaks and the tough matches with his Uruguayan national team did not help, neither did the fact that Enrique liked to play with four attackers and two midfielders or one midfielder who is so attacking that he might as well be a forward. And, and then the remaining midfield positions were for Ser Emery and often Vitinha. But now that he's less back and forth uh, in terms of uh, international breaks, you know, for the time being, he has had a great match right now and really looked to be back to his best. And, and, and what a perfect timing for that. That's, of course, incredibly important. Number five, uh, Gonzalo Ramos really got a first proper shot as a target player in Paris. Now, you could say that while he hasn't played that much, he has played some minutes. And how could I then say and argue that this was his first proper chance? And I would respond, well, it's because when Kylian Pampe is on the pitch, he invariably is the target man. Not in terms of hanging out in the box all the time as traditional number nine, because that's not at all what he is, but rather 
There are no points for guessing who the passes are heading to in our account. It all goes through him, and of course, he's an incredibly efficient scorer. He's got the number to back it up, so there's no need to argue against it. And that's not what I'm questioning at all. But when he's on, the other players will have to play around him. And that's not really what Ramos is best at. He's best at making runs, moving without the ball, positioning himself well, and then scoring goals. Sometimes the goals will look like tap-ins, and they are tap-ins, but you have to be in a perfect spot to tap the ball in. Uh, when we talk about those things, you know, tap-ins, we usually reduce them into this thing that is something that requires practically nothing, and while well, even tapping in isn't always that easy as anybody who's tried to do them in an actual match, not on a very high level, I, I, I give you that. But the work that goes into just being there in the right place and losing the defender around you, that's where the art and science of it all is. It's lovely to see Ramos getting a chance and he was playing well, also cracking back and making his runs. I have said this before, a bit like Cavani, but Cavani also became less useful player for PSG as soon as we stopped playing balls to him. Uh, that was the time that Neymar and Bappe started to do great numbers from the wings and from wherever they were doing them from. And we no longer played through the striker as we had done with Slatan and of course with Cavani also there. And then there was a short stint of Mauro Icardi, but his form in Paris was a little short-lived. And uh, also good to mention Moise Keane, we often forget him. He was actually a, a player who was able to create many of his own chances great numbers for that uh, Corona season with the uh, empty stadiums. Uh, I enjoyed that season that he had with us a lot. But now, of course, the question is, what is the future of, of Gonzalo Ramos? He's the player that we're talking about. And the answer is, it depends on the future of Kylian Mbappe. And in the event of his departure, Mbappe's departure, which of course, I'm not saying that it's going to happen because I don't know and neither do you at the moment. At least when I'm recording, there is no really... Uh, clear uh, information about that. That's just thing that is not yet known, no matter what any sources are trying to tell us. But what choice he will make later on next summer or leading up to that, that will make a huge difference to the future of Gonzalo Ramos. And of course, then the transfer window afterwards, if Pape leaves. Because some people talk about Rafael Leao. I mentioned this in the last episode already, but what would that mean to Bradley Barcola? I feel like that is more question about Bradley Barcola than Gonzalo Ramos. And we talk about Bradley Barcola a little bit more very shortly. Then there's also mention of Victor Osiman. But again, it depends how we play and use the striker. Because personally, I have quite a strong faith in Ramos. And when we play to his strength, I trust that he will deliver. And if we don't play to his strength, well, then I guess we don't really play to the strengths of any traditional striker. So no reason to get another one of those even more expensive one. Number six, Bradley Barcola already mentioned him just now, but what a player he has become. He did have a strong last season as a very young player in Lyon, and he still is hardly burdened by his years, not by a long shot. And in Lyon, he had a good connection with Alexander Lacazette. And if you remember, uh, Lacazette was really threatening Pape on the top scorer charge. So it was not nothing. But in Paris, a few would have guessed that with the firepower we have, certainly on paper, in attack that young Bradley Barcola would need mere half a season to become a starter. Uh, 
it's very impressive and and his work ethic is really good he's a joy to watch and definitely i can see him being one of those players whose presence on the pitch can be crucial for the success of this campaign positive take home message number seven uh, from the match against Lille and in general from where we are currently with this team Usman Dembele I mean, when he came to Paris, there were some concerns. And for me, they were about the injuries, which he has luckily avoided in Paris. But other people were having other issues as well with him. For, for me, his chance creation from his side of the pitch has been very impressive. And while we hope for slightly better numbers, certainly a few more goals, perhaps his presence on the pitch keeps the opposite in the defense busy. It's fun to watch him play. And I have a feeling, and I hope I'm right, that He has even one more gear in him. Number eight, the squad depth. Previous seasons, the attempts with rotation have been fairly poor. Let's be honest about it. We try to give our key players a rest and then regret it a little bit later. They had to be brought in later to save the day, you know, on the second half or something. To get the result, we struggled to get it without them. So in this match against Lille, the, a top team that is in form, the fact that Mbappe did not have to tighten his laces was a real achievement. A really positive achievement and, and a good message to the whole team. It's very important. We need to have enough good players for every position and options available on how to use them. A little bit more about that specifically in a moment. But before that, number nine, the team spirit and playing for full 90 minutes. I cannot stress this enough because we have had many great matches this season that PSG has played really well in, but not really for the full 90 minutes. And that's been costly at times, although... Perhaps more times it has just put us through more trauma than was necessary, but uh, we also have dropped some points for that. Now there's this fighting spirit to be seen going a bit further back, not even all that much back, but in Coupe de France match against Brest, another team in form, even Kylian Mbappe was uncharacteristically active. And that's, again, not really a criticism of his usual style, which is very effective enough uh, if you look at the numbers, but his style is is more like a shark, right? Uh, He is looking for that chance. He's waiting, he's observing, and when the time comes, he goes and strikes. If you ever see him play live at any stadium, you can just see him ready and waiting. And this often happens outside of the TV screen. If we don't have the possession, his very presence there keeps the defense alert because you never know when he gets his chance and then he's off and not everybody can run along. But now, even after taking a few genuinely frightening looking hits against Brest, which contributed to this rest against Lille, he was pressing much, much more. He started lower from the pitch and he was part of the chance creation in a more holistic way. It's not all about him, of course. The entire squad is needed for 90 minutes. We can't afford to let go of match because it happened last time when we played against Lille late last year on the road. They drew from behind. Brest did that in League on and Strasbourg wasn't very far getting their draw also. But now the last two matches have shown positive signs and this is what is needed in the Champions League as well. You can't stop. It will be punished. We need full 100% effort by 11 players at the time. And out of all the teams in the world, PSG should be the one that knows that until the referee whistles twice, no lead is safe. And that applies in Ligue 1 
It applies in Cooper France, but my days, it really is crucial in the Champions League. We must have learned that lesson by now. And lastly, positive point, take-home message from this match and this current moment. Number 10. Having options. I don't mean having options as the synonym of squad death, as much as those things are connected, but perhaps this one circles back to the beginning and Luis Enrique. One of my concerns had been that Enrique had insisted on playing with his method, whether we have players for it or not, like Asraf Hakimi was away for almost a month, but Enrique was insisting that we need to have someone who can do what he does the way he does it. Uh, of course, that's the system and on some level you can understand it, but that's like saying that someone has to play exactly like Kylian Mbappe. I mean, you can try, but it's not easy to play exactly like someone who is so clearly ahead of you. You can mimic it to best of your abilities, but there are limits to it. And this time, as the squad was rotated to such an extent, the options came through with more clarity and distinction. Uh, perhaps It is more that happens when you change more players and not just sort of one part of the puzzle. It almost becomes a new and different puzzle now. And it's very important that we have these options because anything can change now in the shortest of notice. And perhaps Kylian Pappe taking that knock or a couple of knocks awakens something within the management. What if he got injured? What if he was unable to start in an important match? It's never outside of the question as much as we don't want it to happen, but we haven't even tried another attack. Well, an attack without him even against the lower level teams in Coupe de France. Those matches are different thing entirely and I have talked about it before. I do get why he has played, but the point is there's no experience without him this season and Of course, I can't remember when he didn't start in the couple of early matches of the season. You know, there was few of them, but that was so early doors that there really was no significant routine for the squad and the team anyway. So that didn't really make much difference what happened then. But uh, that really doesn't change my point. It is incredibly important to have options. No player can be above the rest of the team. PSG undoubtedly wants Pape to break every record, to be the top scorer of the season, win the Ballon d'Or, but that's not why we are here. Those things can happen if everything else goes well, and quite frankly, they can't happen unless PSG, as a team, have a great season. Not only are those things not separate, but they are actually very interconnected. One thing that is part of this last point is having these options and using them. One match, of course, is too small of a sample to make significant calls and conclusions, but it's safe to say that every PSG fan slept a little bit easier in the midst of all these rumors about Mbappe's departure, and I, I don't think any of them are conclusive. Like said, I'm not making any comment this episode about him leaving because we just genuinely don't know. There hasn't been anything meaningful to comment right now, but we played without him with more cohesion, more balance, better counter-pressing and backtracking against a team that is a team in a good form and a good team at that. Like I said, but let me repeat this, it's possible to say that Kylian Mbappe is the best football player in the world and that it's also great to have 11 players participating in the match all the time. In the post-match interview, Luis Enrique directed his view to the Champions League. This is what he said. It has been three weeks that everyone has been talking about this Champions League match as if it were a question of life or death. 
We must give everything but without anxiety. It is a goal which should give us pleasure. Calm, we are ready among the best in the world. I really want to uh, think about that carefully, what he's saying. It's a really strong statement. We must give everything but without anxiety. I mean, that's a pretty good rule of thumb for the whole life experience as it is, but PSG in specific has this inheritance of nerves and trying too hard without any looseness. Uh, This time it has to be different. And I do hope that this message goes into the head of every player and staff member. We must give everything but without anxiety. There simply is not a domestic women's football match in Europe that is more intense and of higher quality than when PSG play against Lyon. These two teams, they actually constitute 50%. Half of this season's Champions League group stage winners and France is the only country with two clubs in the quarterfinals to begin with. So group winners and runners. Um, And you can have all your hype about Barcelona, which admittedly has a great team in women's football, but their domestic league is a one-team league. It's not very exciting. Germany has decent matchup between Bayern and Wolfsburg, but neither one of them are in the knockouts and Wolfsburg didn't even get to the group stage as they were beaten by the second best team from Paris, Paris FC. In England, they sometimes get slightly big-headed about their women's football, especially after winning the Euros. Uh, Fair play to them, but set aside Chelsea, well, you have other reasonable sides, sure like Arsenal, but there's no other clash in Europe like Le Choc the one against PSG and our in-house nemesis Lyon. Lyon, of course, have had quite a dominant team for years now, and PSG every now and again takes a trophy here and there, but these matches between these two teams have been, for the most part, hard-fought and very even, and the same applied also last night on Sunday, as I do record this on Monday. For a very long time, it seemed that we could take all the three points back to Paris with a wonderful goal by Tapita Chawinga, who has been such a revelation this season. The assist for this uh, goal was also incredible, and it was actually one of the very first things that our new U.S. central defender Eva Gettino did in our colors. Quite an introduction for her. But one error did cost us a draw as Elisa de Almeida scored a known goal where even touching the ball wasn't needed at all. She was visibly distraught, and I feel for her. She knows what happened and what it means. She's a great defender, except when she isn't. It's quite accident prone, to be honest, which you like this time now. But we move on from this and she also has to. Wishing her good luck with that. Leon was lucky to get one point against us. And that's not nothing. That's quite an achievement. That is something that I hope is a sign of things to come. We also now know the quarterfinal opponent in the Champions League for PSG, and that will be Swedish side Beko Hacken from Göteborg uh, or Gothenburg. Uh, those matches will only start next month. The first leg in Sweden is on 20th of March. We are ready now for the Champions League in men's football as well. It's a huge match ahead of us this week, and we send all of our support to our Parisians. I believe we can do this. Uh, Just to mention also, there's been some developments with the stadium question. Apparently, according to reports, PSG is definitely saying goodbye to Parc des Princes in future. I just don't know if I believe that. I have a feeling that the last word is still to be said in this game of poker, but who knows, perhaps I'm just overconfident about it. Perhaps it just is the way that it appears. We, We will see. 
I won't get into that now because there's not so much new significant information about it. And in the previous episodes of PSG Review, we have covered these questions in detail. So go and have a listen to those if you have missed them earlier. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Mikko. This is PSG Review. And until the next time, and I really mean this, peace. Peace.